Good evening everybody and welcome to the Audio Guide to the Galaxy, Episode 3, brought to you by SciTech. My name is Leon and I'm a presenter here at the SciTech Planetarium and I'm going to take you on this week's night sky adventure. This recording is timed to take place at 7.30pm any day from Friday April 17 to Friday April 24. Normally we time these recordings to be listened to on a Saturday night, but the last two Saturdays have been clouded over, and the weather report indicates that this Saturday the 18th will be cloudy as well, which is why we've made this recording a bit more flexible. So if it is cloudy in your area, don't panic, stay cool, stay super cool, because the stars that we're going to be talking about this week will still be visible and relevant for the next couple of weeks. Tonight we're going to be exploring a couple of new constellations, finding the brightest star in the sky, and mixing in a little bit of Harry Potter for good measure as well. We're also going to hear about how you can catch a glimpse of the International Space Station. The section on the International Space Station is time critical, so listen carefully to that as the information in that section does have an expiry date. Are we all ready? Let's go stargazing! To begin our stargazing session, we need to get our bearings and find our directions. We need to do this at the start of any stargazing session, otherwise you won't know where to look. I'm also going to take this opportunity to quickly refresh our memories on what we've covered so far in previous versions of the audio guide. And this is for two reasons. Firstly, so you remember what we've talked about, and soon you'll be able to find all these things in the sky for yourself without our guidance. And secondly, things in the sky change. Some things change very quickly, like the moon for example. That changes noticeably every day. But most of the changes that occur in the night sky happen over a period of weeks, and it's only by regularly going outside and looking at the stars that you can really start to see these changes happening. So, quick reminder. In the first audio guide recording, we looked at Venus and Orion, and last week, Leah taught us all about the Southern Cross and the pointers. And that is where we're going to start. So, first things first, I want you to find the Southern Cross, just like you did last week. Remember, you'll find the Southern Cross in the southern sky, about a hand span above the horizon. Four stars in the shape of a cross, and that little fifth faint one as well. And remember, you can make sure you're looking at the actual Southern Cross by looking just next to it. You should see two very bright pointer stars, Alpha and Beta Centauri, that guide you to the Southern Cross. If you need a bit of a refresher, check out last week's recording of the audio guide. Now that we're facing south and looking at the Southern Cross, we have a sense of direction. So, North is behind us, east is to our left, and west is to our right. And now I want you to turn to the right and face west, and then turn just a little bit further until you're facing northwest. There, low on the horizon, you'll see the extraordinarily bright object that is Venus. And then, hold out both your hands with your fingers outstretched, and two full hand spans above Venus, you will see three stars in a straight line that make up Orion's belt. You can hear more about these objects in episode one of this audio guide, but for now, Orion's belt is going to be our starting point for tonight's observations. Because what I want you to do now 
is point your finger at Orion's belt and start drawing an imaginary line through the three stars of the belt, upwards, into the sky, following the direction of the belt. And keep going up nice and high, about a hand span, until you get to an extraordinarily bright star. You might even say something to yourself like, Gosh, blimey, that's the brightest looking star in the night sky. And if you did say something like that, then give yourself a pat on the back, because that is indeed the brightest looking star in the night sky. That star is called Sirius. And yes, I'm being serious. It's spelt with an I, not an E. Think Sirius Black from the Harry Potter stories. In fact, we'll come back to that in just a moment. The name Sirius comes from the Greek word Sirios, which means glowing. And looking at how bright it is in the sky, it's no surprise that it's called that. And Sirius is a very interesting star. It's actually two stars closely orbiting each other. Remember what Leah said last week? Most stars actually come in groups of two or three or even more, and Sirius is an example of a binary system. The stars in Sirius orbit each other every 50 years, but the two stars couldn't be more different. One star, the bright one that we can see with our eyes, is called Sirius A, and the other one is called, you guessed it, Sirius B. We can't actually see Sirius B without a telescope, but it's definitely there. Sirius A is a star somewhat similar to the Sun, but with one small difference that has big consequences. Sirius A is a little bit heavier than the Sun, about twice as heavy, and this means that the force of gravity squeezing the star together is much stronger than the Sun, and the only way the star can prevent itself from being squashed by gravity is to fuse material in its core at a faster rate than the Sun does. This faster rate of burning creates a lot more energy than the Sun, and the result is that Sirius A is much hotter and much brighter than the Sun. In fact, the surface of Sirius A is about 10,000 degrees Celsius, which puts it almost twice as hot as the Sun, and this causes it to glow 25 times brighter than the Sun with a bluish-whitish colour rather than the nice pleasant yellowish colour of our own sun. What a huge difference just a little bit of mass can make. If you thought Sirius A was strange, well, let me tell you about Sirius B. Sirius B is what's called a white dwarf star, and the name is pretty suggestive. Sirius B is white, and it is very, very small. It's not the sort of object you might normally think of as being a star. Stars like the Sun, and like Sirius A, shine by fusing material in their core, which gives off energy. Sirius B is actually what's left over after all of this exciting fusion has happened. It's the dead core of a star that ran out of fuel long ago. The original star that became what we now call Sirius B ran out of fuel about 120 million years ago, and when this occurred, it threw off its outer layers out into space, leaving behind only its exposed, dead core. So Sirius B doesn't shine because it's fusing material like the sun, it shines only because it is still hot. Even 120 million years later, it is still so hot that it just glows constantly, 
and the surface temperature of Sirius B is 25,000 degrees, more than four times hotter than the surface of the Sun. But Sirius B is small. Picture, if you will, a basketball. Now imagine squashing that basketball into something the size of an apple seed, because that's what gravity did to Sirius B. If the Sun were the size of a basketball, Sirius B would be the size of an apple seed, and yet they both weigh the same amount. They're as heavy as each other. And this is why I love space. There's nothing about it that isn't mind-blowing. Sirius is the brightest star system in our night sky because it gets the best of both worlds. We already heard that Sirius A is quite bright. The other thing is that it's very close to us. Sirius is only 8.6 light years away from the solar system, which puts it about twice as far out as our nearest neighbouring star system, Alpha Centauri, which we heard about last week. So if Alpha Centauri is our stellar neighbour, then Sirius is the house on the end of the street. It's really close. And this combination of being both intrinsically bright and being reasonably close to us is what makes Sirius the brightest star system in our night sky. Now Sirius is part of a constellation called Canis Major. Canis for dog and major meaning big. The big dog in the sky. Let's find it, shall we? To see the dog, we have to understand that Sirius represents the neck of the dog, where you would put the collar. And at this particular orientation, the dog is facing down towards the horizon, almost like it's looking at Orion. So, hold out your hand and close one eye. Just underneath Sirius to the bottom left, about two finger widths down, you should see a star. Not as bright as Sirius, but definitely noticeable. Together with Sirius, this forms the front legs of the dog. And then, to the top left of Sirius, about four to five finger widths away, you should see a few more stars that together make up the back legs and the tail. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, so I'm going to let your imagination do most of the work there. It is also possible to see a triangular shaped pattern of stars just above Sirius that make up the head of the dog. They are very faint, so you'll have to look very carefully if you want to see them. And all up, the big dog should be about the size of your hand, held at arm's length. Because it appears in the picture of a dog, Sirius is sometimes called the Dog Star, which is a pretty cool nickname in my opinion. And because Sirius is so prominent in our sky, it pops up in a lot of stories from people and cultures all around the world. Depending on the time of year, Sirius is sometimes in the sky at different times of day or night. Sometimes you'll see Sirius just before sunrise. The ancient Egyptians, the same people who built the pyramids, knew that if they saw Sirius just before sunrise, then that signalled that it was the same time of year that the Nile River would flood. And so it's a useful yearly timekeeper. But my favourite example of Sirius appearing in stories is in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. If you recall, the story starts with two scary developments. Firstly, a criminal called Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban prison. Secondly, Harry Potter is being followed by a strange black dog. 
Now, the big plot twist later on in the story is that the strange black dog turns out to be none other than Sirius Black. But anybody who knows about Sirius the Star already knew that right from the beginning. Remember what we said, Sirius is often called the Dog Star. So, the name Sirius Black literally means Black Dog. Exactly the creature that's following Harry around. See? Knowing stuff makes you cool. From Canis Major, we're now going to find a second constellation called Canis Minor. So where Canis Major referred to the big dog, if you're guessing that Canis Minor refers to the small dog, then congratulations, you are correct. But you don't get any points for that, that one was too obvious. Canis Minor is not too difficult to spot. Hold out your right hand and spread the fingers wide. Now, place your thumb over Sirius and stretch your pinky as far to the right as you can, and you should be getting to another bright star in the sky. Again, not as bright as Sirius, but definitely noticeable. And just underneath this bright star, about two finger widths below, you will see a second star, a little bit fainter. And these two stars make up the figure of Canis Minor, the small dog. And here we come to the amusing realization about constellations. The vast majority of them don't look anything like what they're supposed to represent. So let's give this one a go. That bright star at the top? That star is called Procyon. It represents the back legs and tail of the dog. And the faintest star down the bottom represents the body, the front legs and the head. And like its bigger companion, Canis Minor is also looking down to the horizon. Can you see it? Perfect. If you have a fantastically enthusiastic imagination, then maybe you can make a dog out of it, but I certainly can't. And the two dogs together, Canis Major and Canis Minor, often appear in stories alongside Orion. Remember, Orion is often presented as a great hunter, and these were his hunting dogs that would accompany him on his journeys. Now you might be wondering, if Canis Minor looks nothing like a dog, then why do we bother putting it there? And that's because the real value of constellations is not what they look like, but the area of the sky that they occupy. In fact, the area of the sky is actually the constellation, and the stick figure you draw over the top of it is just some creative artwork. In fact, you can invent your own star patterns, it's really quite fun. But when an astronomer talks about constellations, they're referring to that part of the sky, and only that part of the sky. If there was a satellite passing through that part of the sky, it wouldn't be very helpful if I said, hey look, there's a satellite in the sky. But if I were to say something like, hey, look into the constellation of Canis Minor, there's a satellite passing through it, then that is a much more useful sentence because it tells you exactly where to look. And that is the real use of constellations. They divide the sky up into sections, like a map. Speaking of satellites passing through the sky, well, we're in for a treat, because the International Space Station is going to be passing overhead pretty soon. The International Space Station, or ISS, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a science laboratory in space, where astronauts from lots of different countries go to do experiments and live for months at a time. It's currently the only place beyond Earth where people can live. It actually passes over our heads pretty much every day, but this can happen at all sorts of funny times, like really, really late at night, or during the day when the sun's out, 
So really, we're interested in flyovers that happen at reasonable times and are nice and easy to see. And there are a few flyovers that people in and around Perth will be able to see over the next few days. If you live way up north or down south or inland like Kalgoorlie and are feeling a bit left out, don't worry. Over the coming weeks, we'll be letting you know of satellite passovers that you can catch in your area too. So don't panic. The first flyover of interest happens on Saturday, April 18th at 7pm. Unfortunately, as I said, the weather report indicates that it's probably going to be cloudy, so we'll give that one a miss for now. There is another one on Tuesday the 21st at 6.15pm, but this is just after sunset, so it will still be very bright outside and a little tricky to see. But if you would like more information about these, then I recommend going to the website spotthestation.nasa.gov and you'll find more information there. However, set your alarms for the flyover at 7.02pm on Monday the 20th of April. Because at exactly 7.02pm, visible to anybody who lives within about 100 kilometers of Perth, the ISS will emerge from the northwestern sky. It will pass just to the left of Venus, which will be very low on the horizon at the time. Moving in a roughly south direction, it will continue on its way, and it will move underneath the constellation of Orion. Getting a little bit higher in the sky, it will pass to the lower left of Canis Major, across the sky, until it eventually fades out in the southeastern sky at 7.08pm. So this is an excellent opportunity for you to practice all the things we've covered in this audio guide so far. I suggest going outside a little bit before 7pm, finding Venus, finding Orion, finding Sirius and Canis Major, and then waiting patiently. Notice how I can tell you exactly where to look just by giving names to different parts of the sky. See? That is the real use of constellations. SciTech will also be posting a map of the flyby on our Facebook page on Monday, so make sure you check that out too. A quick note about the map, it's a star chart that's designed to be held up to the sky and looked at from below. Okay, don't hold it to the ground and look at it from above, you'll get your directions the wrong way round. Make sure you're holding it up to the sky and looking at it from below, and that will show you exactly where to look as well. That's it for another episode of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tonight, we learnt a little bit about Sirius, the brightest star in the sky, and the constellations of Canis Major and Canis Minor, the two dogs. We also learnt a little bit about the International Space Station and how you'll be able to spot it if you live near Perth. Keep your eye out for its flyover and check the SciTech Facebook page on Monday the 20th of April. And remember, knowing stuff makes you cool. Good night, everybody.